You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. Well, hello there and welcome once again to Open Court with Jay Young, your Fairfield University basketball podcast starring the first-year head coach of the Stags. I'm Bob Eisler, along with my broadcast partner, Joe DeSantis, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, and of course, uh, joined today by Coach Young. And uh, in addition to the podcast, we're going to review the Stags games against St. Peter's and Iona. We'll take a look at what's coming up for Fairfield and also thought we would get to know a little bit more about how Coach Young is putting together the pieces here in year one. So once again, Coach, let's go back to early April when you got this job and after you sifted through all the congratulatory texts and phone calls, then you started getting texts and phone calls from people who were interested in coming to work here for you on your staff at Fairfield. So that's where I wanted to begin. How did you go about choosing your staff? What were you looking for in your assistant coaches here at Fairfield? Right. Well, thanks for having me again. I enjoyed doing the uh, first podcast and, um, yeah, so in, in April when I got the job, obviously, uh, you get a lot of phone calls. You, you don't realize how many friends you, you have in the <laughs> business, guys, uh, looking for jobs. But, um, you know, I, I think my staff was put together as I was um, interviewing for all these jobs that I interviewed for. always kind of had people in mind. You're always trying to be prepared for if you do get a job, uh, who you would hire, what the profile of, of that staff would look like. Uh, and actually, for different jobs that I was going through, it, it changed it sometimes. I thought a person would be a better fit for a certain school or whatnot. But when I was uh, interviewing here, I, I did have some people in mind. Uh, and when I finally got the job, I kind of had an idea of what my staff wanted to, what I wanted it to look like and, and the different uh, experience levels that each person would have. The first person that I hired was Brian Dewar. Um, Brian was our director of operations at Rutgers. I had recruited Brian when I was at Stony Brook, had a great relationship with him, his family. Watched him grow as a player, and then when we hired him at Stony Brook, watched him grow as a coach. And uh, I knew he was going to be great in the business. I had been around him for so long. Uh, There's really nothing that Brian ever did in life that he didn't overachieve at. Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought that was the best quality they have, and I knew I wanted that on my coaching staff. And then, you know, I wanted a couple veteran guys um, and some guys who had been around for a while. It was my first job in Division One, So I wanted to give kind of having a young guy like Brian on my staff, give him a shot like someone that had given me a shot. And um, uh, some guys I was very comfortable with um, through the years, guys I had known and a couple veteran guys. And I had known Chris Casey we're back from our Division Three days when we first started. I was an assistant at Salem State, and Chris was at Western Connecticut and had known Pat Sellers for uh, an awful long time as well. So uh, those guys were always on my list and always at the top of my list. And, you know, um, I feel really blessed to have those guys and work with them every day. They're terrific coaches, but they really are better people than they are coaches. How uh, difficult was it when you had to make those final choices? It's difficult because you have some relationships with people uh, in the business that you've known for a lot of years and uh, who are very good coaches and friends of yours. Um, some of those people w- were looking to, to uh, work with me. So it is difficult to, to make some tough decisions, but you try and really do the best job for, for um, 
you know, try and separate the personal aspect as much as you can from it. And you're really trying to find the best hire for you and for your program um, and not necessarily hire one of your friends. Um, the best piece of advice, and, and this was kind of the consistent piece of advice that everybody told me who had gone through a transition from an assistant to a head coach was to take your time with recruiting when you get a job and take your time with your staff because uh, those are things that you want to get right. And there's that emotional thing when you just get a job, and I know having gone through it, that you get there in week one, you are completely overwhelmed with everything. And um, you just really do have to step, take a step back with both of those things and and um, take your time and get the right people on board. Um, and, you know, I'm sure I've, I've made a ton of mistakes since I've been here, but I think I got my staff right. I'm, I, I couldn't be happier to work with those guys every day. So – I would like you to go a little deeper into into the hiring process. So, um, did you ever tell Brian Dewar that if you got a job, he was coming? We had talked about it before because I had been close a couple times on some jobs and uh, just wanted to gauge his interest. Um, and when I was getting into the steps uh, and getting pretty deep here at Fairfield, you know, I certainly had some some conversations with him. Uh, about it and he was a guy that I knew um, if he wanted to come it was a guy that I was going to offer right away just just having work with him on a daily basis uh, first as his coach and then as uh, as a colleague working as, as a coaching colleague with him and the other guys did they contact you or did you contact them when you were prob when you were actually involved uh, knowing that you had an opportunity to get this job I didn't contact anybody uh, other than speaking with Brian because I was working with him every day at Rutgers uh, until I got the job. And I just want to take a deep breath and get in here first, get a little bit of a feel for the university, the place, the kids. And uh, I thought that would help me with my decision making of, of what I really need. And I think it did. So um, honestly, we didn't have the full staff on board for, boy, well over a month, I think it was. And um uh, I was just really kind of taking my time with the thing and, and trying to get it right. And, and as I, as I sa said, I couldn't be more thrilled uh, with, with the guys that I got. So then you become a, a delegator. Now you are actually uh, giving these guys specific tasks to do. Is that something you uh, do naturally, or do you fall more in the category of liking to micromanage things? You know, most people have that, that personality mindset. They either have their hands on everything or they're willing to let go and give people responsibilities. Where do you fall? Well, I, I don't think I have to micromanage uh, these guys, certainly. Um, mm -hmm. They are professional coaches. They do an unbelievable job. Uh, you know, they probably have to micromanage me more than <laughs> I need to micromanage them. But they really, uh, you know, I say this all the time, that, <clears throat> you know, when you're, value, when you're hiring coaches, the, the kind of litmus test that I use, that if I had a son, which I don't, but if I had a son, would I want my son to be around these coaches every day? Uh, and not just through the times when you're, you know, everything's going great and you're 10 for 10 from the field and the ball's going, you know, who would I want my son to be around when things weren't going so well? And, you know, it, it always comes back to me with character and uh, they're incredibly competent coaches, but they are great people. And uh, having gone through a couple builds before, uh, I know how important it is to have great people on your staff because of the highs and lows that you go through. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the, you know, people with uh, great values, um, it can be difficult. So uh, that's really what I, what I, the kind of the litmus test I want to use is who, who are the, I had some really good coaches who are the best people out there. And I was familiar with these guys. I had relationships with these guys 
uh, before. So it, it was um, it was uh, easy to make that decision, quite honestly. And now that you do let them do their jobs, what are their specific responsibilities? If you could take uh, each of your assistant coaches and say he's re- responsible for this aspect and he is in charge of the scouts, et cetera, and so on, how does it break down for you? They were all in charge of our offense. Boom, boom. <laughs> uh, no. Um, you know, they, they each have, obviously, recruiting responsibilities. And we really don't break it up geographically. Some guys are very, very comfortable in, in uh, certain areas. But that's not to me. That doesn't mean that if, even though Brian's from New Jersey, if Chris has a relationship with a high school coach in New Jersey that Brian doesn't have, there isn't some overlap. So they all have certain, rec- obviously, recruiting uh, responsibilities we break the scouts up in thirds so uh no one's really backed up and we can take some time to uh, you know really evaluate film uh and they do a great job with that and then you know it, there's certain roles with academics that each each we break up the team with academics and they help monitor that and uh you know but certainly recruiting and scouting are their main focus right now and, and they do an unbelievable job um chris and brian really kind of given them a lot of the offensive stuff. If you've noticed, Brian calls a lot of our out-of-bounds underplays that we kind of go over beforehand. And then, uh, you know, Pat's been kind of helping me with the defense. But it, it, it's not anything specific. Okay. It's really it's really a lot of overlap, that, and, and it's more of a collaborative effort than anything else. We uh, don't want to be remiss by leaving out um, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy McDonald, who is your Dobo is the acronym, the director of basketball operations. Uh, that's an important job, and sure is, uh, yeah. you know, flies under the radar. And the as far as most fans are concerned, but he's integral to what you're doing here. How did you go about bringing him on board? Yeah, there's no question. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge job. Um, and uh, you know, I did the job way back when, so I know how difficult it can yeah. be. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy was kind of unique. He's the one guy I did not know before I hired, um, and when I got the job here, I had some people in mind for the director of operations, and one of them, ironically, uh, was a former player here who also played for us at Stony Brook named Scott King. And I uh, had a very close relationship with Scott. Scott was working in the NBA for the Detroit Pistons. And when I was at Rutgers, I would often email Scott about send me film on uh, ball screen covers. You know, those guys who are NBA film uh guys they lock them in the room and they slide the food under the door you know and they never leave for the nba season so they have an enormous wealth of of uh, video and he would share a lot of that stuff with them that i thought was very helpful so as i i kind of got into it i liked i was trying to think of someone who was really good at the film aspect of it and um uh and also could bring you know other values to that position and uh scott's profile interests me and i did speak with scott about the job but at that time, he was being elevated at the Pistons, and uh, now he's the head film guy for the New York Knicks. But ironically, uh, Katie Young, who was in charge of the search here during that time, in charge of my search, her husband is the assistant coach at the Phoenix Suns. And Jimmy was working for the Phoenix Suns film as an intern there, and um, Katie called me and asked me what I was looking for, and she said, well, I might have a guy for you. And he was from New Jersey. Uh, he was coming home for one of the holidays. I forget which one it was. And I said, well, let's, you know, have him come up and, and let's sit down and talk. And uh, we hit it off. Uh, he's been uh, phenomenal at his job and has added a lot of value. Um, 
a lot of the stuff that some of the stuff that we're running and some of the stuff is is you know from the NBA that we've taken from him and he does a great job with our edits and and film and all the other stuff that goes a, a thousand other jobs with, that goes with that position so he he's been a really strong addition to our staff a few moments ago you mentioned uh, you got some good advice as far as putting together the staff is concerned take your time with it and you were also given that same advice when it comes to recruiting take your time get it right if you could put into words what your recruiting philosophy is specific to this job fairfield university and bringing in a Fairfield University stag, um, how would you term it? Well, you know, first of all, it's, it's a very good school, so it, it, you have to find the right student uh, to come here and, and do well. Uh, it doesn't do you any good to recruit someone who can't function here academically, and then after a year, you, you have to, you know, he has to move on or something like that. So you, you have to do a, find the right profile you know, one of the things I kind of always ask myself when you're recruiting someone is how would he do on the campus if he wasn't a basketball player? Would he would he fit in well with the other students? Uh, would he do well academically, obviously? And then, you, you know, um, you're always recruiting certain needs um, position-wise. And, uh, but I always say, you know, like it, it's, you know, Brian, I'll take Brian Dewar for an example. I usually like big, quick explosive guards who can cover Brian was none of those things <laughs> and was has a hall of fame career at Stony Brook yeah. so but you see certain things that you think as you're recruiting that will add value to your team even though it might be typically something that you're that you wouldn't normally recruit or or, or your eye doesn't wander that way so um I do like you know obviously the way we defend I do like guys who can cover and can move and and uh I think you make up for a lot of mistakes for guys who move well, but that doesn't mean to say, you know, uh, that if, if I don't value shooting or I don't value playmaking or, or but I value toughness. I, I would say that's the one consistent thing that I do look for is a, a guy that I think I can coach hard because uh, then he'll get better in our program. A guy will take criticism. A guy will be in the gym. I think those are the things that you you really look for because the rest of it, you know, we all kind of recruit the same guys, and those are the things that take you over the top. Is is just really the uh, the characteristics of the individual that you're recruiting. How do you go about judging that? Because uh, toughness and in large part goes with heart, and sometimes it's hard to measure a guy's heart. You know, from where you're sitting at that point in their career, you're recruiting them. You haven't gotten to know them that well yet. So, how do you judge the the toughness aspect of a potential recruit? Well. You know, I th- I think you gotta you gotta watch. I know it sounds simple, but yeah. um, I, I always when I was an assistant for a lot of years in recruiting, I, you know, I, I always say you gotta watch. You can't be on your phone. Uh, you gotta be watching guys and and how they play and how they interact with their teammates. Um, I used to love to go to eight a.m. AAU got games because I figured if a kid was playing hard at eight a.m. on a Saturday on court yeah. number five somewhere, yeah. that uh, that it was a pretty good sign. But you got to vet. You got to talk to their high school coaches. You got to talk to. Got to get to know the families. You got to and and you really develop a picture of what you're getting. Um, and and you know at the end of the day, you know toughness is a skill. Uh, I think it's more important than shooting. More important than. Because you can you can improve the other things, but if you don't have toughness, if you can't get through difficult times, then you've got to struggle. And and you know I, I'm going to coach them hard, so I think that they they have to um, they have to be able to take some some tough love at times. You know, um, 
as long as we're on recruiting, let's talk about the guy who is clearly your marquee recruit in this first class under you here at Fairfield. That would be Chris Mido. And it's documented that he was recruited by some pretty um, high-profile schools. I know a lot of Atlantic 10 schools uh, were interested in him and some at Alford. So how did you get in there and, like, take us on the path from uh, he's from Maryland, prepped in Pennsylvania, now he's at Fairfield. Uh, how did you get in there and get him to become a stag? Well, Chris's AAU coach, I had a good relationship with a guy named Jordan Brooks. And uh, Jordan was an assistant at Howard. And um, ironically, they had just had a coaching change. So I was, you know, talking to Jordan a little bit about working here. But the good thing about Jordan, there was no ties to. It was never a deal like, hey, if you hire me, I'm going to bring you Chris or, or anything like that. Um, and I totally respected that. Um, and... At the end of the day, I just went in a different direction with my staff, and Jordan was great. And he was kind of uh, helping Chris with his decision. Um, and through the whole relationship that I had with him, uh, he thought that this would be a good place for Chris to go. I explained that he would you know, have the availability of playing time, and we thought that that was important for Chris's development, that he's going to go somewhere and sit on the bench for a couple of years and wait till he gets stronger, um, that that might hurt his development. And... Uh, you know, he came, he visited, he liked the atmosphere here. I kind of got Jordan's blessing, and uh, we were fortunate enough to get a commitment from him. That allows us to uh, move into, as we promised, a review of your last two games. And we'll start with a game where Chris Mido uh, played a big role in a Fairfield win. That was the, the game against St. Peter's. I know um, that you considered at the end of that game it was kind of a slog you know you never really even though you had double digit leads at good points and, and made that big run in the second half it was never an easy game to put away uh, what was the um, the takeaway from your standpoint coming out of that game you know what were the keys that allowed you to you know prevail against St. Peter's and things that you could use as a building block yeah I, I think you know probably all of our games that's a good word to describe it uh, Bob of slogs, <laughs> you know, this is kind of the way we play. And <clears throat> excuse me, when we when we struggle offensively, sometimes it can it can feel that way. It certainly feels that way to me uh, on the bench. But um, y- you know, it, it just goes back. We I think we held them to f- um, maybe four offensive rebounds or three or four. I, I forget yep. what the number was. And at that point, they were one of the top offensive rebounding teams in the country. I think we it was. Um, we might have held them without an offensive rebound in in the second half or or whatever it was, but um, but I I just thought we we did a good job rebounding, we defended. Um, I was unhappy. We were a high turnover team and 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 some needless uh, turnovers that that prevented us from opening it up a little more. But Chris had a great game in that in uh, against St. Peter's, and you can see him kind of coming on every game, but. Ultimately, you know, the most important thing, number that I always look for is that we're one ahead at the end of the game, and yep. we were able to do that. And, you know, we kept on that same theme the next day, got in the film room, showed them some things we need to improve on and some things we did well and, uh, and, and you know, move on. Then you go down to Iona, and um, to kind of just cut to the quick there, it was a game where if you had been able to make some big plays, then the, you know, the result might have been different. The big plays just weren't there that night, were they? What else? Beyond that, what else goes into uh, that the takeaway from Iona? Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. We were um, again just just a struggle for us offensively to f- kind of find the bottom of the uh, basket. Um, we we had some miscues down the stretch. Uh, 
you know, offensively and then misplayed a ball uh, where we didn't have some guys back. Some guys, you know, two guys kind of ran for a loose ball, got it over his head, our, our head, and um, they had a big dunk in the play. So just our execution offensively wasn't sharp. Uh, we kind of did what we needed to do defensively, but, but uh, you know, we, we just weren't sharp enough down the stretch. And, and you know, like, hey, I, I still they got voted. They, they have a very good coach who's unfortunately out ill, but they also got voted number one in the conference because their talent's real good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you could see that from some of their guys. So it was, it was disappointing. I would have liked to play better, but give credit to Iona for, the, for uh, you know, winning the game and, and playing uh, well enough to win. You, we're, we're sandwiched right now um, in between the Iona game, which you played, and the Quinnipiac game coming up. Um, I'm not sure I know how to word this, but do you feel – did you feel – you want to win every game. That's coach speak. So I really don't want to hear that. Okay. <laughs> Did you feel like from people around you or from the atmosphere at Iona and this game coming up, the enormity of these two teams as a Fairfield coach? You want to, the you, rivalry. Uh, the rivalry. Yeah. The, I don't want to use that word because that, that's kind of – but, yeah, the rivalry. The, the magnet – like, do you feel at all like this is a big game? And, and don't tell me every game's a big game. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I, I don't feel that yet. Maybe as we get closer to it, um, uh, I know geographically, obviously, uh, and I know the fact that Iona has dominated the league. Um, but I haven't, I, I really, not yet. Maybe haven't gone through it, not gone through it yet. Uh, I don't feel that, but... Um, did, but did you, so you, you, you come out for the Iona game and, you know, right before, when coaches come out, right? When you come right. out, they tip up. You didn't feel like a little different buzz in the place? No, I didn't. You didn't, huh? I didn't. And part of that is probably me being clueless, um, you know. And, and <laughs> I'd just, say it's good. It's good just, to be that way. And just, like, you know, <laughs> completely focused on, yeah. you know, ho- hopefully we win the jump ball, and then what's our first <laughs> set going to be? But, but uh, you know, we talked about Joe going before the game, that, that and, and when you read what Iona has done in this league, uh, you know, just, bottom. yeah, it really is, and, and they were picked first. We were picked last. And, and here's a great opportunity for us. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. But uh, I think as I get more familiar with the league and go through it, I'll, I'll have some more of those feelings of the rivalries and, and the different players. This is this is all new for me uh, going through it for the first time, obviously. You got a laugh out of us before when you mentioned how all of your coaches are in charge of the offense. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm not uh, blaming it on, like all great <laughs> head coaches, I'm blaming it on my assistants. <laughs> well done. And you gave them the job, so yeah. you have the right to do that. Uh, in terms of Fairfield offense, obviously that's something, as a fan, you're watching, you say, okay, there are times there are going to be challenges for this team mm-hmm. in finding ways to score. Uh, putting your creative coaching hat on, I mean, if you can give the listener an idea of, all right, we can do this, we can do that, here's the way we can maybe get creative with this offense, what would it be? Yeah, I, I just think, you know, ball security for us has been really frustrating. Uh, if we take, you know, five turnovers that we can absolutely avoid uh, and turn those into field goal attempts, that would just mean the world of difference for us. And it will also help our defense that we're not, you know, live ball turnovers, uh, that we're not in transition. Um, I think that we, we've been just really focusing on that through film, through practice, through drills, of just trying to do uh, things a little smarter, uh, 
be a little more secure with some stuff, a little more detail with some stuff to just save us some, some turnovers that we feel are needless that, you know, uh, I have this, when we watch film, I'll say to him all the time. Now this, this is Fairfield beating Fairfield. It's not Iona beating Fairfield. It's not Manhattan beating or St. Peter. This is Fairfield. These are things that we can absolutely control that we have to do a better job of. Um, and you know, uh, I just think if we can get, you know, I'm, I'm, we're, we're trying to take small steps, get four to six points better. That would mean a world of difference for us um, because it could get us obviously more points offensively and then a couple of live ball turnovers will help us defensively too. And, you know, we, we've been in every game, so we just got to find a way to steal a few more points. And I really think, Bob, it's just ball security and, and, and some of the turnovers that we're having are just, just uh, you know, stuff that we can control. So is that – Needless to say, a big point of emphasis this year, but, you know, long layoff or in the middle of a, a nice uh, stretch of time here. You can get into the basketball classroom uh, between games uh, last Friday at Iona and now uh, Friday at Quinnipiac. Uh, in addition to that, what are some of the things you do when you have a full week to uh, get back into the gym and work on things? We didn't do a lot. Uh, Saturday was a day off for us. Sunday we came in, and I just wanted to get them up and down. So we watched a ton of film. Uh, you know, our, the way we've done it is uh, after a game, before we go back on the court, we kind of put that game to bed. We'll watch some stuff on what we did well, what we did poorly versus Viona. We'll take the court. And on Sunday, we just did a ton of shooting, ton of offensive stuff. Um, and then yesterday, we really started preparing for Quinnipiac with more of their stuff. Um, today, obviously, a day off, and then we'll get into it with a lot of film tomorrow um, and really kind of hone in on what they do, uh, what they're doing well. And um, just our, our approach now, when we got a little time here to, uh, to prepare for them. So it'll be all Iona. We won't even talk about Canisius or we'll have, we'll handle that as a one day prep. And it's 100% focused on Iona right now. Uh, Quinnipiac. I'm, I'm Quinnipiac. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 Um, what are your, at first blush, and you've looked at all this film and I right. going to start imparting it to the team. Uh, what are your thoughts about Quinnipiac? Yeah, they've got a, a lot of offensive talent. Um, you know, I, I watched the game live when they uh, got beat by St. Peter's and I just think that's an outlier mm -hmm. um, that you probably, if you're, if you're Baker, you're probably just throwing that uh, tape away and, and, and moving on because that's not indicative of how they play or how they shoot the basketball. So, uh, they've got a great point guard, uh, and he's dynamic. He gets makes everybody around him better. He he can shoot the ball, so he's going to be a handful. The way he uses ball screens, and they do a great job of putting him uh, in ball screens and giving him a lot of space to operate. So he's a handful. Um, so I'm watching a lot of film on on him, and uh, you know we're going to have to stop him. And you know I think they were I don't know four for 32 the other day for St. Peter's from three, and I. Uh, I, I think they got all their misses out, so I'm expecting them to shoot the ball well and we're going to have to take away the three, and then they've got one of the leading rebounders in the country. So they're a talented team. We're going to have to go in there and play very, very well to beat them. you got a Kelly on your team. We do, I think yeah. he knows the other Kelly pretty well, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's he's being quiet. He's giving us no inside information <laughs> on him. Yeah, uh, But uh, uh, his brother is certainly, uh, Rich is uh, certainly one of the premier players in the MAC, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of watching tape of them on, on destroying ball screen coverage, and, and uh, we're, we're going to have to have try and come up with a plan for him. And, and I think a lot of teams have tried, and, and it hasn't worked very well. Yeah, and you said uh, kind of getting out of Quinnipiac and into Canisius is just going to be, you know, bang, we get into it one day, and 
How difficult a challenge is that for you? Um, you know, you rely heavily on your staff when that's the case. Uh, and, and it was the same thing as we played them up in uh, Buffalo. It was a yeah. one-day prep. Mm -hmm. So um, you really do rely on those guys to kind of get you ready, you know, and, and they do everything. You know, this is the sets we're going to run. This is what we're going to do. Uh, this is how we should be, spend our day practicing, and, and your assistants are a real integral part on those one-day preps. Final thing here, Coach, and a little bit off the Fairfield path, but um, yesterday, Rutgers, your former program under Steve Peichel now, um, and you're an assistant there, of course, uh, for quite a few years. Uh, you had to take some pride in seeing that they're a nationally ranked team for the first time since 1979, but we can draw it into Fairfield by asking you, you know, you're at Stony Brook and took a program that was really had from, from ground zero to some, you know, NC tournament heights, NCAA tournament heights. And now Rutgers, which in the Big Ten, you know, was an afterthought for so many years. Now they're nationally ranked, and we don't know where it's going, but it's getting there. What are the lessons that you take from your experiences at Stony Brook and Rutgers and see them being applied here at Fairfield? Patience, first of all, that, uh, you know, it, it does take some time to build it. And, um, you know, it, and I got this from Steve, it's all about the people. It's about the people you surround yourself with. It's about the people you recruit. It's about the character of the people. And, uh, and trusting what you're doing is the right thing, even when you lose with it, you know. And uh, Steve is just a guy who rolls up his sleeves every single day and gets the programs better. Um, there was no quick fixes. There was no go out and get a, a JUCO guy who's going to do this or, or uh, quick fixes with questionable character kids. It was always, we're going to get the right kids, we're going to build the program, and we're going to keep the thing moving. And when I was there last year, we won seven Big Ten games and, and with a very, very young team. They're, they're young this year. People don't realize that they're going to return – you know, almost the entire team for the next two years. Um, the, the crux of their team is almost all sophomores. Um, so uh, they're going to be very good for a long time. But it was really just the everyday build of, of trusting what you're doing. Don't let a bad loss or a setback. Just keep, keep moving forward. Those things are going to happen. So it was awesome to see. Um, and I, don't, I said this to one of the reporters from New Jersey called me the other day. I said, if there's a better job in the country that a coach has done this year, I'd like to see it because mm -hmm. people don't realize what it was like when we took over and in four years to have Rutgers nationally ranked in the Big Ten Conference where it's a monster every night. Uh, it's just an, really an incredible job. Yeah, hopefully, uh, again, we can see that uh, translate in uh, as far as the MAC version is concerned with uh, Fairfield. Uh, Joe, anything else? Yeah, any any chance when we open our new arena that Rutgers will come up as the opening game? Probably not. <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> uh, he, he's a good friend. I don't know if he's that good of a friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but that's a good – I'll ask him. I'll ask him, yeah. Good question, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Putting Coach on the spot, but a good question. <laughs> well, podcast right. number two was, uh, was a lot of fun. Again, Coach, look forward to doing it again next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Open Court with Jay Young, and we'll be back again next week to talk about the Stags games against Quinnipiac and Canisius, and then we'll get a preview of Fairfield's matchup next week as we talk about Ryder. So for Coach Young and the Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis, I'm Bob Huesler. Thanks for listening to Open Court.
The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.